0: It was a few years ago that a photojournalist named Eric Smith uploaded a picture that went viral. He had gone on a whale-watching trip and was snapping different photos and all of a sudden just captured one particular moment. And when he posted it online, people could not stop sharing and reposting and commenting. And here is the photo that Eric Smith put online. The water surface is broken by a humpback whale and only a few feet away, a man is oblivious because he is staring at his phone, the closest he will probably ever be to one of these magnificent creatures. And uh, you can imagine what some of the comment sections look like. Uh, And the more I looked at stuff, the more I thought how ironic it was that people were staring at their screens, making fun of a guy who was staring at his screen. And later in an interview... Eric Smith said, yeah, that that photo wasn't just about that one guy. This is all of us. Can you imagine? I mean, you, you, you paid that money, you go on this trip, you take all this time, you went all this way only to end up distracted from the very reason that you were there. That's a little bit of the heart behind this series, Always On, as we talk about life and faith in the digital age. Because for all of the convenience, all of the connection, all of the entertainment and all of the tasks that we can get done, inadvertently we could end up at the end of our life looking back and realize, oh no, I was distracted from the very reason I was put here in the first place. Yeah, somebody didn't know we were going to start preaching so early, right? I'm so glad that you're with us as we are in week two of this series, Always On. And whether you are live at one of our campuses or you are uh, in, uh, maybe you're watching online or listening later on podcast, wherever you are, I'm excited as we dig into this because I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to miss the reason that we're here. And last week as we started this series, we let Jesus answer that question. What are we supposed to be focusing on? What are we to be about? What is the reason we're here Jesus said in Mark twelve, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And so Jesus sums it up really simply for us. We're to be about loving God and loving others. In fact, live at all of our campuses I want you to say that. Love God, love others. Let's say that together. Love God, love others. And in a world that can get super complicated, it is just that simple and also just that difficult. And so this week, we're going to focus on loving God and asking the question, how do these devices and how do these screens, how are they helping us to love God with all that we are? And how are they potentially distracting us from one of the bedrock reasons we're alive? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is an Old Testament Uh, A book, uh, and it's uh, from the Hebrew Scriptures, Deuteronomy 6. And the reason that I'm having you turn there is because when Jesus answered this question, when He said, when He talked about what we're we're to be about, what we're supposed to be focusing on, He was actually quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Depending on your level of familiarity with Jesus, you may or may not be aware of that, that Jesus as a Jewish rabbi was quoting the Hebrew Scriptures, helping to boil down what are we to be about. And by the way, wherever you're at on the faith spectrum… Uh, whether you would call yourself a, a follower of Jesus or you're still kind of figuring stuff out or you're not even sure what you believe at all, I'm glad that you're listening in because Jesus offers a way of life and a, and a viewpoint on life that I think can be a blessing to everyone. And so I want to read the, the larger passage that Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This passage has both a grand vision and also some really small instructions. So first, to help you understand, here's the grand vision. Deuteronomy 6 is this incredible picture of God's love gone viral. That God's love and God's truth begins in the human heart and yet then it paints this incredible picture in which God's love is all around and, and taking up not only our hearts but our homes and moving into the highways and then into, into city spaces like the city gates and, and basically moving everywhere because when God grabs hold of a human heart, inevitably his love doesn't just fill us but spills out into the lives of people around us. That's the grand vision. Language in there that might be a little unfamiliar to us, like tying the commandments to our hands, was a way of saying that what God says is affecting what I do. Binding them to our foreheads was a way of saying, who, what God says is affecting how I understand my life and who I am becoming. This is the grand vision of God's love and God's truth gone viral and immersing an entire community. And so the question is, so then how, how does that grand vision actually come to fruition what are the circumstances in which God grabs onto hearts? Well, that's why there's a bunch of little instructions. You notice in the passage that there's this, these, all of these intentional choices, and I'd kind of sum up the instruction like this, arrange your life in such a way that what God says is never far. And you notice some of these moments, they, they seem inconsequential. One of the things when we talk about faith is that it, we, we sometimes focus on the big moments, the moments when God was unmistakably present, when he kind of showed us a sign, when he moved in our life, when he, when he had this thing happen that, that reconciled a relationship, these big moments, and those moments are important. We can look back on them and remember them and praise God for them. But part of what Deuteronomy 6 reminds us, what Jesus invites us into is, see, it's the everyday stuff. It's the running errands with my family. It's the eating cereal with my roommate. It's the coffee break at work. It's the on my way to school. It's the when I get up and when I lie down, top to bottom, sunrise to sunset. It is the everyday and the mundane in which so much of following Jesus actually takes place. And so all these little moments that may not seem like much, part of what Deuteronomy 6 shows us is that they will eventually compound together, not just into little ways that we spend our time in the in-between moments or in the mundane, but they become the rhythms of our life and shape our thoughts and our conversations. So all these small instructions eventually build to the grand vision. And I think part of what we can understand from this passage is God not only wants us to be immersed in his life and his word and his love, but also God knows how we're wired. So if you're taking notes, first thing you can write down is that we can look at this passage and see, my heart and soul are shaped by what I keep close. And if the purpose of my life, if the reason that we're alive is to love God with all that we are, part of what God says is, okay, then keep me close and keep what I have to say close to your heart. Now, I want to be clear, this is not... um, This is not exclusively about Bible study or reading God's word, but it's certainly not less than that. So let me pit stop for just a second in this sermon. Um, I want to make a quick plug. I'm really proud of, of our staff and the work that they do to share resources. One of the benefits of our day and age is there's been so much study and so much teaching and so much content that is available to us. And that with a couple of clicks or swipes, we can get to all kinds of different translations of the Bible. There's so many great things, but sometimes it's hard to filter through those resources. So on our site, there's actually a page that's been put together, and it's uh, it's thehills.org slash studytools. And it's just a, just a way to kind of, there's some, some great resources there for, for beginners and for people who've been followers of Jesus for a long time. And there's some great stuff that our team has compiled some links and access to really good content for people of all ages. So if you've never checked that out, thehills.org slash study tools. Okay, finish with the pit stop, back to the sermon. My heart and soul are shaped by what I keep close. Said another way, proximity often breeds affinity. And God knows this about us. And so the grand vision comes from all these little intentional choices in which, in the small moments, God's right there. But as I was reflecting on all of this and thinking about this, I I wasn't just caught up in the vision. I was convicted because in an always-on world, I could look at almost every one of those settings and think, Well, in all those little mundane moments and those in-between places, I already have something that I keep close. As one author put it, "Um, today we keep our friends close and our phone closer. (laughs) And oftentimes it's there and it's the first thing that we grab in the morning and the last thing we look at at night. And as soon as there's a lull in a conversation, it comes out of our pockets. As Soon as there's a long red light, we reach for this and inadvertently this begins to fill all those little places. And without some level of intention or awareness on accident, this is what I begin to reach for. And this is what begins to talk to me and give me something to look at or something to distract me with or something to entertain me with. And those moments, they may not feel like much, but just like Deuteronomy 6, you see this, these little moments add up to a rhythm of life and a train of thought. So there's a, an, an author and, um, and advocate for healthy rhythms and technology named Tristan Harris. He used to work for Google, and then he kind of left the industry because he got disillusioned, started advocating for healthier rhythms. And he calls, he calls our, our smartphones, he calls them digital slot machines. See, the slot machine industry is worth billions, but it happens one coin at a time. And for so many of us, the, the rhythms in our life, Man, all it takes is five minutes there, 15 minutes there, 20 minutes there, answering an email there, checking up on some posts here, and all of a sudden, like, we have developed a rhythm of life that really builds up a lot of time. I don't know how many of you have ever been, which, by the way, I'm going to stop for a second. Um, Just in case you're waiting for this to go off, I actually turned this completely off. (laughs) I love our staff, but I don't trust them. And it was the first time I turned this thing off in a while, okay? I'll just be honest. I don't know how many of you have ever been, uh, you've taken that step where you finally opened uh, the screen time feature uh, that's, that's, on, that's on iPhones. There's Android has some versions of this. Uh, and, and so most, most of these smartphones have this feature that'll show you not only how much time you're spending, but on which particular apps and, and what kind of tasks you're doing. And opening that for the first time is a little bit like, it's like the digital version of stepping onto the scale after the Christmas holiday, you know? It's that moment of truth where you're like, I don't want to see that number. <laughs> yeah, and most days when I was looking through, it was a couple hours. I started looking online and saw that according to Rescue Time, a productivity software developer, they did some research with 11,000 different people using their phones, and the average for a lot of us, is about three hours and 15 minutes a day. And it just happens one little session at a time that builds up. And that was just the average. And that's just the screens on our phones. That's not our laptops or streaming content. And I I just started wrestling with this and hearing all kinds of feedback from many of you of what, what causes you to compulsively reach. There were some who after last week's message came up and talked about compulsive gaming habits. And uh, what was interesting was it wasn't just a younger generation. There was actually uh, some, and and I can remember one particular senior sister in Christ who came up and talked about a compulsive gaming habit. Had a man confide in me that for him, it it wasn't gaming, it wasn't social media. It's just that he, man, he opens that stock app to look at his trades and investments way more often than he needs to. And I would imagine if that's part of your day, man, your, your day will rise and fall with the market. <laughs> I had others talk about and, and, and admit, man, when I opened up screen time for the first time, social media is just such a huge time suck that I never thought it was that much time. And all of the feedback basically confirmed what one university professor told me as I was researching leading up to this series. He said, we are no longer tech savvy, we are tech dependent that this is part of the rhythm of how we live and what we look at. And one of the things that convicted me in Deuteronomy 6 was that this grand vision didn't just have implications for one person or even for a whole community, but it also had implications for multiple generations. Deuteronomy 6 says, impress these on your children. As soon as I read that and thought about my current habits, I I Thought about something that's happened over the last couple months. My son is three years old and he is uh, learning to be a helper, to help clean up, to help cook, to help put away his toys. Uh, We we love all of that. But he found a new way to help that we did not teach him that he decided was very important. He has taken to finding our phone if it is away from us and bringing it to me or or my wife. He'll see it on the couch. It just happened just the other day. He'll like, oh, here, daddy, you need your phone. You need your phone. Like, what do you get behind me, Satan? What's happening? (laughs) What is this? And I thought, why is he doing that? And then I thought about my life. Those closest to us know what we keep close. And he has seen how I act when I can't find my phone. (laughs) <laughs> Storming around the house, honey, if you see my phone, turning over the couch cushions. He's been in the car when we've driven away from the house, and maybe two minutes in, I pad my pockets. Wait, we got to turn back. I need my phone. How many? How many else? How many others of you have done that? You turn right back around, yeah. And admittedly, uh, I just started thinking about all of this and realizing I haven't even lived into the reality of. Uh, raising kids in this day and age because my kids are three and under I have two kids but they're both under three so parents I I don't know what this is like and I'm not going to speak from my own from my own authority right here I'm, I'm going to lean on the words of Dr. Kathy Koch who wrote a book called Screens and Teens and she has her PhD in uh, reading and educational psychology and um, as, she, as she writes some of her advice could be summed up like this when it comes to kids and technology healthy boundaries are good It's good to to start, and she doesn't come out with any, like, hard and fast rules because so many families have different rhythms, and not only that, schools have different expectations. The point is not an arbitrary number for screen time. The point, she writes, is healthy rhythms and boundaries to foster good connection. Talks about, you know, different strategies that families employ with no phone zones, and no, no screens uh, during mealtime, or no screens in the bedroom, just different, different strategies. And, and each family's going to have to pray and work through ideas for them. But she doesn't just stop at boundaries. Here's what Dr. Koch wrote that just grabbed me. She writes that kids don't just need healthy boundaries, they need present parents. Dr. Koch encourages parents to model the healthy screen habits that they want for their kids. So if you inadvertently set some rules or some boundaries tell your kids no you can't do that anymore and then they see you always on yours our habits will inadvertently undermine our parenting according to Dr. Koch the point for all of us is whether we have kids or not is to wrestle with are we inadvertently filling all of these different seemingly unimportant moments and spaces with something other than who God says we are, and what he wants to tell us. And these questions, I'll admit, I got a little down in the dumps this week because these questions are heavy. Like, they, they highlight for me how easily and how quickly I have missed it in my daily rhythms. But there's also good news. And the good news is that God is not depending upon us to change. God is inviting us to depend on him. And he will change us. He will transform us. Not only that, that God showed us a better way to live, not just with instructions for Deuteronomy, but God came to earth in the person, Jesus Christ. And fully God and fully man, not only did he save us from our sins by dying on the cross and rising from the grave, not only did he save us, but he also showed us a better way to live. Yes, Jesus is my Savior. He is my Lord, but He is also my teacher and my example. And when we look at the rhythms of how Jesus lived, I started looking at His ministry and just seeing some of these patterns. And part of how He lived in order to keep a close connection with His Father. It was even in the midst of busy ministry with crowds coming and all these people wanting his attention, wanting his focus, wanting him to teach to them. In the midst of that, Luke 5, 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I saw that and I thought, man, we could, we could use some lonely places, not because we can't talk to God when other people are around, but because it's really hard for us to listen when there are competing voices. Thought about my life, if somebody followed me around and recorded a written record of what Taylor did, it might say, Taylor often withdrew to lonely places and caught up on NBA scores. <laughs> or caught up on the posts from his friends. So I've been convicted this week that this, these, these screens and, and this device, it is crowding out the lonely places in my life where I can best listen to my father And let him press his word on my heart. There's so many great resources with this. And so many great ways that I can help study or find different translations. It can be useful in the moment when I'm talking to somebody. And yet, for the lonely places, more and more, I'm going with the old school hard copy. Because this thing won't tell me I just got an email. And, And as I read and as I let God press on my heart, I experience a blessing that, and you just can't get from information transfer because part of what God is doing in us is to spiritually, to experience this filling and this recharging. And so I've got, I've, got a really, um, I've got a really unpleasant question to ask you. And first I want you to know that I asked it of myself earlier this week. And I really, really want you to hear this from a grace-oriented standpoint, that this is for the purpose of assessment. This is not a sentencing. How's that for a setup? If you were only allowed to charge your phone for as long as you spent alone time with God, what would your battery look like? How long would it last through the day? I became convicted because I pay way too much attention to what this needs from me. In part, as soon as that thing hits yellow, maybe some of you are like this, it hits yellow and I'm like, dude, I gotta find an outlet. Like, I gotta gotta get this thing going because I need to make sure I get through the day. And yet, for too many of us, we need to not just wonder what our phone is asking of us, but what our Father wants for us to help us to spiritually recharge. We're living in a day and age where too many of us are spiritually, man, I'm on red because I'm just not, I'm not listening I'm not paying attention, I'm not making space for my father to impress his word on my heart and to encourage me and this is not out of a guilt trip, this is an invitation. For so many of us who are stressed out and overworked and our our schedules are overcrowded and part of what we have to do is to look at Jesus and say I need to follow my teacher, my rabbi, my savior and I need to create some intentional space and some of that intentional space may be in the midst of life, just like Deuteronomy 6. Man, I need to turn some stuff off when I'm in the car. Man, I, I, I need to put that phone in a different room and get by an old school alarm clock so the first time I wake up in the morning, I'm not immediately immersed in what the world wants to tell me, but what Jesus wants to tell me. There's lots of different strategies and approaches, and we'll, we'll share some more resources next week. But, but the point is, what God wants to give us is his presence in connecting with him, not just so that we can know some things, but so we experience him, which is partly why God promised followers of Jesus his Holy Spirit. And yes, God will interrupt us and get our attention in different ways, but there are often times where I believe God is waiting for us to pay attention to him. And through that, part of what God wants to give us is not just to be convicted or to to think, oh man, there's, yes, there's some things I need to change. It's partly for, for us to recognize that he is sovereign, he is in charge, we can trust him, and through that, through hearing from him, he gives us peace, something the world can never truly offer. A vacation is not peace. Having an inspirational post and reading that online, that's not peace. Like, I need peace that only can come from God which is partly why Jesus says to his followers, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus intentionally compares what he wants to offer with what the world offers. And I might put it like this, God speaks peace and the world makes noise. So the question is, what are we listening to? Because the noise of this world has grown deafening and the distractions can be endless. Look, hear hear me really, really clearly. The problem is not that occasionally during downtime, you look at a screen. The problem for so many of us is that screen time becomes our only form of downtime. And through that, I listen to what the world has to say and the noise of this world. And there's there's so many great things about having the world at my fingertips for what I can do and how I can work. And we're gonna talk about more positive opportunities next week, but one of the dangers, see, the the more that I have the world at my fingertips and default and let that fill all the in-between spaces of my day and create that rhythm, Jesus' question rings in my ear, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul that what the world wants to give us or lead us into is not for our thriving or our flourishing and so what we have to wrestle with what are we going to do how do we move forward there were some other christians at a different in a different age not a digital one asking those same questions working through inside of a corrosive culture that seemed designed to tear down their faith they were asking these questions in the city of Rome, and a church leader named Paul, he writes to them inspired by the Holy Spirit and he tells them about God's grace and about God's love gone viral through Jesus and the hope of the world. And then he says, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, be conf- do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As so Paul lays out this invitation, he creates a, an either-or, not unlike Jesus, where he says, I give you peace, but not as the world. And Paul says, look, here's the either-or. If you're taking notes, my mind is either being formed by the world or transformed by Jesus. Man, it's too easy for us to think that there are neutral spaces, and there, there are not. We are either conformed to the pattern of this world or we are transformed what God is doing in us and through us. And inadvertently, the pattern of this world, is just so easy for us to get lulled into it. It's actually how one commentator kind of talks about it, that, that this idea of conforming is almost like being pressed into a mold. And so the commentator paraphrased and said, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Made me think a little bit about a pastor friend of mine who was making some cookies during the winter season with his family, and they wanted to make cookies and give it to their neighbors. So they, they baked all these cookies, and they used this cookie cutter mold, and they, they gave it to everybody. And, uh, and then they looked again at the mold and realized it was not a maple leaf. I want you to look at this cookie mold right here. <sighs> yeah. For those of you that don't know what that is, the Lord bless you and keep you. That's a marijuana cookie mold right there. Can you imagine pastor making marijuana cookies for the neighbors? (laughs) And they just didn't catch it. It was just, it was, it was just, you know, it was just a mold. I thought it didn't matter. And it did something and communicated something they did not intend. For a lot of us, the pattern of this world is so easy to just lull into because the world normalizes patterns and postures that make us think, oh, well, this, this must be okay because everybody's doing it. The, the pattern of this world for how so many of us operate with these devices, it's just easy to look at everybody else and go, hey, I mean, this is the world we live in and in part for our jobs and for other things, yeah, we, we, we gotta use these, but at the same time, the pattern of this world goes further than that. The pattern of this world says, man, you got to be on that hustle. You got to be on that grind 24-7. You making that paper? The pattern of this world says, man, you got to be up to date. If, if you're not up on the latest post, if you haven't commented on the latest thing, like, you're out. The pattern of this world says, well, it can say even worse things than that. See, deep down, part of the pattern of this world, not just what we look at on here, but what using this, letting this fill those little spaces in our day, it can tell us we are the center of the universe because literally our digital world is constructed around us. I got to move things and put it where I want and it serves my purposes and my interests and feeds me what I want to see when I want to look at it and inadvertently it tells me and molds me into a pattern that makes me think it's about me. Worse than that, it it not only tells me it's about me but that I deserve to be happy all the time. Because I go online and everybody puts their best foot forward, and all of a sudden I look at a bunch of other people who seem happy and go, "Oh, okay. I guess well, that's how that's how I should be. I deserve to be happy." Not only that, but the multiplicity of options can tell me in the pattern of this world that I must have choices and not submit to what someone may have chosen for me. See, that's another one of those patterns of this world that begins to say, "I am my own authority." I don't need teachers, I just need the information. I don't need wisdom from others, I just need the research. Let me just, let me just Google it. Let me just look it up and there, are, there is increasingly more and more people who are being taught and discipled by what they look up online instead of who they are processing with in person. It's not only that, sometimes this will tell us the pattern of this world is, I can just get rid of the people who don't agree with me. Jesus said, love your enemies. Online, we just unfollow them, we just block them, we just mute them, it begins to tell me that some of the people, man, they're just optional, and I can opt out. Part of the pattern of this world and it can inadvertently communicate a lie that's been told for a long time. My worth is measurable, whether by a stock app or by the number of likes or comments. Man, the the pattern is telling all kinds of lies and shaping us in ways that are not of Christ because the patterns were not created by Christ followers. Created in, in large part by companies trying to make money their agenda is not your spiritual health, nor mine. So with all that sitting underneath the surface, part of me just wishes, well, I wish, I wish there was a feature, not unlike what's, what's recently happened. How many of you get a ton of spam calls? You know, those, those kind of calls that come in and they're just from random numbers. So um, recently with an update, last time I picked up a spam call, this is what I saw on my phone says, potential spam. doesn't even show the number anymore. It just lets me know, like, hey, be aware. Probably not worth picking up. I was like, that's so helpful. That's great. And then I thought, why can't we have a spiritual version of that? Like, could it be that maybe we need, we need some Holy Spirit, spiritual spam filter? So that as I'm scrolling through, it would be real helpful if it said, warning, the next post you look at may cause you to feel insecure. Potential FOMO alert, fear of missing out, for those of you who don't know, know what that is. <laughs> and don't worry, you weren't missing out on much by not knowing that acronym. <laughs> potential jealousy trigger, potential pitfall to lust on the next ad you're going to scroll by. Hey, just, just be aware, you, you glance at that email during dinner with the family, and it may wreck your train of thought for the rest of the night and keep you absent from your kids. Man, it'd be helpful if we had that. But instead, what Paul invites us to, what God is doing in us, is to renew our minds. That means to change the way that we think. And to invite us to say, you know what, in an always-on culture, sometimes by the grace of God, I'm better off. I'm better disconnected with what the world says is important so that I can remember what God says is important and what God says matters. And the invitation for us should not feel like a guilt trip. I I just wanna close by reminding you part of what, how Paul leads into this idea of whether we're being conformed or transformed. He says at the very beginning, it's so important, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. I want everybody in our church and everyone listening to this sermon to hear this really clearly. We don't walk through this day and age in view of God's disappointment. You should not be working through what God's leading you to in view of God's frustration. We're not living this out in view of God's impatience or God's anger or God's exasperation or God's disgust. That's not how your heavenly Father looks at you. And if you want to understand how he is inviting you, you need to see this invitation in view of his mercy, the mercy he has extended to us through Jesus Christ who came and paid for our sins died on a cross, rose from the grave. And part of what we have to remember in in a day and age in which people talk about the attention economy and all these devices trying to get our eyes to turn to them, no one has earned our attention more than Jesus. The God of the universe who made this world, who showed us a better way to live, a prototype of humanity as God really intended it, and then who died to redeem us and save us. And so part of what we need to remember and be encouraged in is we don't go through this out of some level of of guilt. Whatever conviction you feel right now, I pray the Holy Spirit uses it to help all of us be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And when we're caught up in that vision again, man, God's love has the potential to go viral, to impress upon our hearts, to lead us and guide us. And so let's ask the Lord, God, what are some of those rhythms, some of those places where you're asking me to unplug so I can connect with you? What are those places, what are those rhythms that you're asking me to surrender to you? And in what way has my heart been tied up in those things that, man, they're not leading to life and flourishing? And let me offer my heart to you. Because when we, when we do that, when we're caught up again in the vision of Jesus Christ, and then the love not only fills our hearts, but spreads into the lives of those around us. Let's pray together. God, it's a, it's a weight to consider and think about the ways that we have not lived up to what you want for us but let us not try and distance ourselves from that, but instead say, yep, we haven't, we've missed it, I've missed it, I've Mm -hmm. fallen short, and yet you meet us there in your love and in your grace. You offer us real peace that the world can't give, and you want for us to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. We can't do it on our own, but we ask for your wisdom and guidance.